I remember when I was 15, I went to go see him. He was sick in the hospital. Um, and I just remember thinking like, that's not my dad. That's, that's I don't want to associate him with myself um, because I was ashamed, embarrassed. And so I was angry. I didn't reach out and I, I actually lost him when I was 16 um, from drinking. So that was hard. And I remember I was just so angry that I didn't even go to his funeral. And I didn't realize that would affect me like from 16 on, even when I was in university. I think when I went to university, I was all alone that year. And that was probably the darkest year of my life. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Damian Davis with Our Collective Journey. Uh, sitting in the uh, commander chair, I guess, for this episode of From Darkness to Life, an OCJ podcast series. The title sponsor for this season of uh, From Darkness to Life is Nicole Davis Realtor, or Nicole Davis, I guess, my sister-in-law. Uh, you can get a hold of her or see her stuff on Nicole Davis Realtor Instagram or www.nicoledavisrealestate.com and that's Nicole with an H uh, who we'd like to thank immensely for you know being one of our guests today wife and for uh, sponsoring our podcast uh, today's kind of a an information podcast uh, an information podcast about a new program that our collective journey is partnered with school district 76 on and we're going to it's going to be uh, one of a, a three-part series that we're going to talk about uh, and introduce our recovery coaches that are going into the schools so without further ado maybe i'll just go around the table here and have everybody introduce themselves and tell us how they're doing so tara well i'm tara schneider pachette i'm doing amazing today yeah yeah how come this whole week has been pretty good yeah yeah i love going into the schools and talking with the teachers and principals and getting things set up it's exciting it is exciting yeah it's been uh it's been good we've done a few presentations now and yeah and we're on the crunch right like it's coming quick yeah it is yeah nathan Hi, uh, Nathan Davis, uh, recovery coach with our collective journey. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Two and a half decades of oil and gas to becoming a recovery coach working within the school system will be uh, a big change, but I'm definitely excited. I'm excited to get uh, get in there and, and be involved. Yeah. Right? Cool. Michelle, how about you? So I'm Michelle, Um, I'm feeling super great. I'm super excited to get into the schools like everyone else was saying, Um, and just excited for this new role that I have in the community. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, this is quite the opportunity that I think all of us have, and it's kind of unique that, you know, we get to take our our life experience, our shared experience, and go into the school and schools uh, within School District 76 and attempt to make a difference. Mm So, you know, today is a day that we're gonna just kind of introduce our coaches, introduce the program manager, kind of hear each of them tell a little bit about their story and then, you know, why we're excited and what we're attempting to accomplish uh, once we get into the schools. So anybody want to go first and share their story and share what they're excited about? Introduce yourself to 
medicine hat at large, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, no. So, um, Nathan here. Uh, yeah, why I, why I tr- made the choice to actively get out of oil and gas and uh, uh, become a member that uh, is working in the schools is uh, growing up in Brooks, that um, my, my biggest supports growing up were teachers. Um, a lot of role models, right, from, from grade five, six, Cam Brown through seven to nine, Virgil Green from seven to nine, right? They're huge role models in my life that, that played a huge role on, um, <clears throat> I didn't see it at the time, how big, big of a piece they played in my life uh, to help navigate uh, my anger, my, my misguided youth to, in the right direction, right? But to, to be an added layer of support for teachers with students in the school system, right, to, to help them navigate and, and be a system navigator for these these students to move forward through wherever they're at, right, and help them uh, navigate this. So, so what gives you, you know, the experience to to be that person? Uh, so at a young age, yeah. So pretty much an honorable honorable student till grade six. Got into grade seven. Uh, that's kind of where <clears throat> I started the introduction to drinking and smoking pot, right? And kind of losing your way at that young age, right? And how difficult it is with the social pressure pressures, um, wanting to be accepted uh, as a young child, right? The fear of, you know, the fear I had as a young man uh, of not being accepted, not, not being confident enough to just be my own self without you know, drugs and alcohol at a young age, right? So having that comfort level at a young age with drugs and alcohol to fill that void of uh, insecurities, I guess, at a young age was was huge, right? And that just kind of led to, uh, led into high school, right, where my alcohol addiction kind of really, really took full force at 15, 16 years old. I'd safe to say an alcoholic at that age, right? So... It was a lot of lot of lived experience, a lot of research on the ground with uh, drug <laughs> drugs and alcohol, right? And that just kind of forecast where I was heading once I was done high school, right? You know, it was I'm an alcoholic at 15, 16, uh, lost a lot of opportunity due to that, um, and then right away it's like, well, I only have one avenue, and that's oil and gas, right? And went there, and now I'm making adult money and bigger problems come along with that so yeah yeah so 18 years recovery here in april so got a lot of a lot of recovery i understand now when, when we talk about recovery capital and for recovery coaching and all this stuff that's what i was doing when i was 21 years old you know to to get my life back right to to be able to live a life that i've lived is it's pretty profound to, to sit here at 40, you know, 39 years old and have, you know, 18 years recovery. So it's uh, something I'm excited to share and, and be a part of. So, yeah, it's, uh, I guess for those listeners that don't know, Nathan is uh, my brother. So I got to experience him, you know, moving to Medicine Hat at a pretty young age to play hockey. And I was there on the, the ground with him doing all that research. Um, maybe not the best example or role model for him. Um, 
and to see him come out of the other side, you know, 18 years of recovery, getting sober at what, 23, Nathan? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people in my sphere of influence got sober at that young of an age and have maintained sobriety, um, which is kind of a very crucial asset, I think, to you going into the schools and relating with these students that you can get sober when you choose. It doesn't have to be, you know, when you drive the bus to the end of the dump, so to speak. But you're a prime example of that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> just not, just not. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And that's, I agree. It's, uh, <coughs> it, it, it took a lot of supports in my life to get to get me here where I'm at right at, at 23 I you know sitting in <clears throat> sitting in the change room on the rig uh, been on a bender with the rig crew for a year straight <laughs> right so we'd been going pretty hard for a long time knowing I didn't want to die but didn't know how to live without it right <clears throat> So that was, to think of that, to, to be in that place of not knowing how to live without drugs or alcohol and how to get away from there. So the support groups, my family was huge, you know, even though Damien was in active addiction, um, you know, my mom, Damien Channing, you know, even my dad, even though he was still at that time, right, in active addiction, you know, alcoholism, right? It was, uh, so I got that and went to treatment. I, I got the tools you know, base level stuff in treatment on, okay, here's some things put in your toolbox when you do get back to regular life outside of these walls. These are steps you have to take to continue on through therapy, counselors, you know, a combination of the recovery capital in your community, right? So, you know, the the 12-step program, huge, huge in my life, right? So it's uh, it's quite phenomenal. Uh, to see where I'm at today, to see where you're at, Demo, uh, it's it's a it's a huge part. So I, I'm just blessed to blessed to have the life I have, and, and hopefully share that with some some students and teachers or families or whoever's whoever wants to listen or, or reach out. So yeah. su- super super excited to to be there for. Them. Yeah, it's a it's a real it's a real blessing that we all get to use our shared experience or our experiences to share with others to uh, help them you know, regain hope or find that light. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nathan, you pick the next one to share. <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> okay. So Michelle here. Um, so I'm really excited for this new journey in my life. And I think the reason why I'm so excited to work with youth in the community um, is because when I was a youth, I experienced a lot of loss due to addiction. Um, I myself am not in recovery. I haven't used, but my dad i remember all my life him using and just going to see him all the time he was drinking using and i would never really understand why um and i remember growing up mad like i was just a really angry person all the time um and yeah i just i remember when i was 15 i went to go see him he was sick in the hospital um and i just remember thinking like that's not my dad that's that's I don't want to associate him with myself um, because I was ashamed, embarrassed, and so I was angry. I didn't reach out, and I I actually lost him when I was 16 um, from drinking. So that was hard, and I remember I was just so angry that I didn't even go to his funeral, and I didn't realize that would affect me. Like 
from 16 on, even when I was in university. I think when I went to university, I was all alone that year, and that was probably the darkest year of my life. Like, I didn't have friends in Edmonton. I didn't want to make friends. Um, I didn't have family there. I just, I had like suicidal thoughts. Um, I just wasn't happy. And I went to counseling, to therapists many times. Nothing would help me. Um, and so I just, I always think to myself, like myself back then, it would have been nice to just have a support, someone who I could share my experience with and they could share with me as well because I felt like nobody understood me. I feel like I just like, I couldn't talk to anyone because they were so happy. They had great lives when my life sucked. Um, but also during that time, I did lose one of my closest uncles. He was also in active addiction. But at the time, like, I didn't know how to talk to him. I didn't know what to say. And I was only his niece, so I thought I wasn't going to help him. Um, so, yeah, I lost him. And to this day, like, I don't know if it was suicide or not. I don't want to know. Um, but that that really wrecked me. I was just on the verge of, like, I wanted to take my life. Um, but so that being said, I did find some supports that helped me through. Um, I went to university and I got my social work degree because I wanted to understand what my dad and my uncle were going through. Um, I wanted to just understand like why they wouldn't put the drinks down, why they wouldn't stop gambling and using. Um, I just, I wanted to understand like the life they were living and just the hurt they were going through. And I think the reason why I finished school was for my dad. I was like, I know he would be proud. I know like if he was here, um, he would just be really proud and I could help him and help my uncle. So with all that being said, like I was able to pick myself up. I went to go see a counselor. I had natural supports. Um, and yeah, I was able to just turn that anger around for good. And now like I want to use that to go into the community and help other youth who are just, whether they're in active addiction or like experiencing loss or anger or hurt like I was, I want to be able to share my experience with them that way. So hopefully they can use my experience to help them. Yeah, it's a, so obviously I guess the listeners on a podcast can't really tell, but you're you know, the youngest member of our team. And mm -hmm. do you mind sharing how old you are? Yeah, for sure. I'm 24. Yeah. So you're one year older than when Nathan got sober. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but your, your story is a little bit different than some of the other coaches because you don't have the firsthand experience of being an addict or an alcoholic, but your experience with, you know, your father, your uncle and where that led your life is, is really profound because there's a lot of people that may not be what Nathan and I or Tara are in active addiction, but you yeah. can empathize from a completely different lens, which is really special, I think, in this, this team. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I really hope to connect with youth and even teachers and adults um, with my experience. So. Well, and your bubbly disposition <laughs> and you're always <laughs> smiling, I think. I think you'll connect with many people just by the energy that you put out. Yeah, I've definitely come a long way from the angry person I was. <laughs> so and so just like in speaking on that, like what, what did you do when you were in those dark moments? How did you get to where you could deal with your anger or that resentment? So I... I spent a lot of time um, just kind of in music. I feel like that really helped me. Like I would be so angry. Um, and when I went to a counseling appointment, I would just like, I would freak out. I thought they didn't understand me. And I would come home and I would just listen to music all the time. Um, 
And I found that that really helped me. I would go places like I would go to church. Um, I would just do a lot of physical activity and that allowed me to take out my anger. Um, but it didn't, like at first, I felt like it wasn't really helping. It would help in the moment, but then my anger would just come up and perpetuate. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I met more people in Edmonton at my church and that really helped me. Like the more people I met, um, the more people who I feel like I could just talk to, even if I didn't tell them everything. Um, like I know there's some people where I would tell bits and pieces of my story, but not everything. Cause I didn't want them to know like who I was. I didn't want them to know that I was like an extremely angry and even could be mean person. Um, but that would help me get through, like just explaining to people my story. And I think that's why it even helps me now. Like I just, now I love sharing like who I was and from where I came. Um, but really I just, I love music and so I got into piano. I tried to get into singing, that really distracted me because it made me happy inside. Um, and especially going to youth, I went, or especially going to church, sorry, I got into youth groups and young adult groups. So it really helped me like being a youth leader, just working with other youth and um, kids. So made me happier. <laughs> well, and, and, and when you're sharing about physical activity and you know seeking out connection and all those things I, I I don't know if I can speak for everybody but I do those things to this day just sometimes to escape and to get my brain to calm down and to not be stuck in that perpetual resentment type thinking and then but what I've heard in your story is you know I had to make a physical connection with a human being to just talk about stuff and mm -hmm. kind of that really applies to what we're going to be doing when we go into the schools as recovery coaches and sharing our stories and just listening to other people. Um, and that takes me to another thought is that you've already been doing this in our community with the YMCA suspension program, correct? Yeah, correct. So what what was that like? Well, you know, you worked with youth already, so you have a good connection with some of the kids that are in this community already? Yeah, so I, I do know a lot of the youth, um, which really helps. I feel like I connected really well with them. Um, I was just always, I felt like I could be a support and just be like, you know what, if you need me, just call me up. We can meet for coffee. Um, and so that really helped us bond and that really created good connections. And so that's why I'm excited because I know some of them, like I'll be able to reach out to um, and work with them. And that makes me really excited, just knowing them and knowing that like the impact now we can have in their life. So it's so. built-in connection before you even get into the schools. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Nathan, you're similar too, right? So you've been in Medicine Hat for yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically since you were 14 Forever. years old. Yeah, long time. And you coach in Medicine, Man Medicine Hat Minor Hockey Association, is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. So you have <laughs> you have like connections to children. Absolutely. Yeah, already. yeah. No, my boys are 14 and 12, right? So I, I, uh, I know a large number of people in Medicine Hat that have kids in school, right? So I, I know them. So it'll be... Uh, directly translated to getting in there and, and working so yeah i'm excited excited for for what what this is going to look like when we get into schools here in, in march so and you and michelle are kind of polar opposites when it oh, comes polar to yeah polar. <laughs> just, absolutely just, yeah I, no michelle's bubbly and yeah, smiling yeah, yeah, and you're yeah, just yeah, brooding yeah, and yeah. planning right <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, no, but that's a that's a great thing like i've gotten to know michelle pretty good here and she's got the uh a very good heart right very very like telling her story you can tell and even telling my story it's very emotional still right it's still it's still there be and I'm so happy 
and it's, it's it's happiness it's emotions of happiness of like man i came from this very mm-hmm. very dark very uncomfortable place mine was at a very young age right but to use the supports and the groups that you know i had at that time actually helped me more than all more than i'll ever know right and for us to actually sit here and and use our stories and be comfortable with putting it out there on the table. That's the biggest thing, right? You go, we go talk to many people, right? And and not many people are comfortable with us even sharing our stories with them because they're like, whoa, it kind of hits that heartstring of there's something going on in their life that is really emotional, whether it be addiction or mental health, or they know of somebody struggling with that, right? So it's for us to be openly genuine with it and still have you know some emotions with it i think is uh, that gets the conversation started like oh it's okay this dude's talking about it or this this nice young lady is like i would have never guessed your story right i yeah. looking at you it's like holy smokes that's that's pretty heavy right so to to be able to sit there and talk about it i think that's that's the first barrier right is like Okay, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Let's open up, right? It's okay to talk about this stuff, right? Yeah, 100%. Would, giving permission to others to open up about what's going on with them, I think, is the whole point of what our collective journey started off doing, was just sharing our experiences so that you could feel comfortable and saying, I, I feel that way too, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. So I guess, Michelle, you only have one person to pick uh, <laughs> to wow. share their story. So it'll be Tara. It's the big me. Yeah. Well, Tara Schneider-Pachette. I've only lived, I think I'm coming into Medicine Hat in five years soon. Um, so I'm not born and raised here. I actually grew up mostly in Drumheller um, till grade 11, I think it was. And I got in some big trouble and we moved and my parents put me in a little small farming community, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, I have, I've, addiction has been a big part of my life. Neither one of my parents were addicts that I ever remember. Um, but my uncle's were definitely partiers, right? It was normal for us to see everybody drinking. And and so for the longest time, I just thought drinking was the normal. Everybody does it. Um, and never thought twice about it. And I took my first drink. Well, you know, I would take sips out of my parents' little drinks around the table once in a while. But when I actually really started drinking, I was 13, uh, and I, to this day, I can remember that party clear as day and everything that transpired. Um, I went through a lot of trauma as a kid early, and all, a lot of my trauma started in school and was created by um, staff from the school. Um, I don't think I'll get into details over that. I'm like, that's probably a whole podcast all in itself. Um, but yeah, and then drugs came along in my life right just uh the fit in um and not knowing where i fit in and what group of kids right i was kind of friends with all the kids um partially because my brother he was like sports and stuff like that so sometimes i felt people just wanted to be friends with me to be closer to my brother um yeah and that just carried on for a lot of 
a lot of years. Um, and I'd have to say grade 10 was a hard, hard year for me with drugs and alcohol. I did everything and anything just, just to stay numb. Um, I'd go to school high, um, drink, go into the parking lot, get high there um, in between classes. Um, and then my parents, yeah, um, moved me to a small farming community. And I don't think um, that made me quit totally. Like I would still hang out in Drumheller on weekends so I could go party with my friends. My stepfather was an alcoholic, so I really knew by then um, that drinking was okay. Rick, I would just ask him if he could go buy me a bottle. He would. Not a problem. Um, and then I did have a light bulb turn on in my life for a while, but for wrong reasons, got sober um, and did life how my family wanted me to do life or how I thought they wanted me to do life. Got married really young, had kids, um, stayed sober for a bit until I didn't. All that came crashing down um, after I got divorced from my first husband and uh, then again just partied hard really hard um, had confusing times in my life didn't know where I fit in in life period suicidal thoughts um, and then after that um, I well I still drank I quit drugs so it'll be I just actually in January had 17 years drug-free uh, but I still drank and I didn't realize that if you drank only on weekends like I always thought well I'm not an alcoholic right but the thing is is I would pick up that bottle on a Friday and I would drink and drink and drink until there was no more alcohol in the house on the probably early Sunday mornings and then pass out and I would do my routine all over again every weekend. And then uh, I was out camping with friends and I seen how everybody was acting one day. I was way too hungover to drink that day. And I was like, fuck, do I look like that when I drink? Because <laughs> if I do, oh, I'm a mess. And it, from that day on, I like kind of like quit drinking. Yeah. And... Yeah, been sober ever since. That's awesome. I know. Met Lovely. my husband, and not long after that, and got married again, and yeah, living life. That's good. Yeah, so that's the short of yeah. my story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so all of that got you to here. So what? Yeah. What got you to the hat? What were you doing before you got kind of? I don't know. What's the right hooked up with our collective journey? So, well, even before I moved to the hat, I worked um, in Tabor at the women's shelter there um, with their safe family intervention program uh, with the women's shelter. Uh, loved it here. My husband's work brought him here, um, which kind of forced me to move here the first little bit. I did drive to Tabor to go to work because I was like, no, this is my jam. Like, I'm staying here and I'm. this is my career and um, I was very passionate about domestic violence. I still am, right? Like I don't think there's a need for that in our communities. Um, 
But I do think it's also a lack of education for some people that don't understand it. And then uh, I started working at the women's shelter here in town. And then a couple, I worked at that for about a year, year and a half um, with their domestic violence as outreach. And then I went into the Housing First program and worked with the homeless and, and ad- act people with active addiction. And I loved that. I loved it. Got a little burnt out from it um, over COVID. Frustrated. Uh, some of it is because I think the burnout is I wanted to do more, but I couldn't do more, right? And I could see the potential in some of these uh, participants we were working with, and it's frustrating. And um, yeah, so I decided to take a little break. And with the, me coming here, I've kind of always known Ryan. We worked very closely together with his last job and and mine, and, and that's kind of how I got all connected in here. So I'll just segue like something that you said, like wanting to do more but not being able to do more. So yeah. so what excites you about this opportunity with our collective journey and with like the recovery coach collaboration with School District 76? Yeah, so that's funny because I never thought about uh, working with youth and then Ryan talked to me about it a bit and I thought a lot about it and I'm like yeah getting them while they're young right using our experience to talk to the kids hell I know what experiences I had when I was a kid right and I can empathize with them and have compassion and um, and I just think it's a great idea to start at a young age and I don't think there's enough I think in the school systems, we need to be more real about life and reality than sugarcoating. Yeah, I agree. I think that's part of my story too, is just, I had goals and dreams and aspirations and I, unlike Nathan, I didn't have some supports that I probably could have used to help me get to where I really wanted to go. And, uh, working with youth or getting into this capacity for me was something that was always high on my radar because again what if I can relate to a young person and have them maybe not go as long as I did or maybe quit when Nathan did or see value in themselves and and reach out when they're struggling as opposed to you know harming themselves what what would that look like and I guess that's where our collective journey is a little bit outside the box where we can we can share our stories. We can be our authentic selves in front of the students, in front of, you know, the teachers. Uh, you know, we do swear. You know, we're yeah. human beings. Um, and, and I like that we don't have to dress like, you know, be all fancy Monday to Thursday. You got the whatever work casual Fridays. I'm like, no, like we can show our tattoos. Yeah. They don't care. Well, and I think that's what that's what makes us really unique is that we're we might not look like your average teacher or authority figure, and and we can get in there and just be with students, listen to them, build relationship, and plant seeds, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think, Michelle Nathan? You got any tattoos, Michelle? I don't. No, not yet. I'm um I'm a little too chicken to get one. <laughs> yeah. She might though. She might. She hangs around us long enough. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, I think it's, I honestly think it's great. Um, 
just coming from different positions where there were a little more rules, I I love it here and I just love how we can be ourselves and we can share all of our experience. Um, I don't have to hide things like I, I would have. Um, and I do love how we can just go in the school and like just dress how we would. So um, the students can see us not as authority figures, but like as peer to peer. And that's it. It's, uh, I think for the listeners out there, like what is a recovery coach? I'm sure people are asking and, you know, it's, it is peer to peer support to break down the barriers that are between different professionals that could potentially help anybody. Right. So what we do with our collective journey as recovery coaches is we're that conduit or those system navigators that get build a relationship with somebody and then allows them to make the decisions on where they want to go with their journey. And then we help break down those barriers and we're not bound by specific time frames. We don't turn our phones off at Friday at four. If somebody's in crisis after business hours, you know, we'll be there for them. Um, because we know how short that window of willingness can can be uh especially you know with what's going on in our community over the last few years there's a lot of loss and and hopefully we can be on that uh the continue to be on the tip of the spear making a difference in uh in our community yeah we just want to be the youth cheering squad basically and helping them yeah yeah we're here not as the answer or the solution, but as part of, right? Part of, yeah, absolutely. I, I really think there's amazing people in this community that are, have, have been doing amazing jobs who are at capacity at some points, right? And we're just here to be another resource that's available um, to, again, be part of the solution within our community. And in turn, you know, my utopian view on this whole thing is to really change the system you know at some point where you know i have three little boys and hopefully they come up in a school system and in a society where it's okay to be vulnerable and open and have you know open conversations with their teachers and you know their support systems uh a little bit unlike how i came up right yeah what are you excited about now Oh, I'm not sorry about lots, you know. Um, no, but it, I'll just share this story. It was Uncle Glenn stopped by our uh, a hockey game here on the weekend, and uh, we were talking about my my career change and and moving from oil and gas into this new new venue, right? And we talked about uh, my upbringing at a young age and how you know my addiction started early and stuff, right? And talked about how many years I have under my belt of recovery, right? And he's like, "Man, it sure would have been nice for you to have." 20, 24 years, right? To, to capture that recovery bit a lot earlier in life, right? And and those teachers, I tell you what, they they gave me so much to to try and guide me and help me, right? But there was still a missing piece of that system navigator mm-hmm. to get me to get me at fourteen, at thirteen, at twelve, and be like, hey. You know, because teachers can only do so much, and they have done so much for me. And I'm so trust me. Every time I see Paul Levesque or Cam Brown, it's a handshake, and I, I tell them thank you all the time, Mr. Dunlop, Mr. Green. Right? It's 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 a huge part in my life. But if I look back on my experience from that junior high to high school, right? If there would have been a recovery coach 
someone there to, you know, get get me at a younger age and kind of be that system navigator to to be that cheerleader to set goals to like really would things have changed? I I don't know, but I definitely see the value in starting with younger with the youth, right? And and being in the schools, right? So it's kind of like how I see it is showing what leader of self looks like, you know, modeling that through how I show up on a day-to-day basis, which is, you know, if I go into the rooms of 12 step or I go do something with OCJ, I don't put my sober suit on, so to speak. And then as soon as that's done, walk out and, you know, am a completely different guy. I'm just myself at all times for better or for worse. And I do have good days. I do have bad days, but I never was given permission to have bad days, to have feelings, to, you know, to go through shit or talk to somebody. It was, that was never an option. Right. And hopefully we can be that, you know, I, I see, you know, my, my brother is my hero. You know, I look up to Nathan and to see him being on the, you know, the edge of leading people just through his experiences, it's pretty profound for me, right? And it's uh, pretty special that we get to do this together um, to literally, to hopefully change our community. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. Even for parents, though, like I'm excited if parents could reach out to us. Um, I know I had in my dark days, I've had some pretty... shitty parenting moments I've done to my kids I'm sure so I totally get it and understand um so I don't want them to feel afraid if they want to reach out and have a conversation too yeah I think really at the end of the day it's about breaking down stigma talking about what addiction actually is right um whereas I think there's the perception that you know just quit just stop you know use your willpower, whatever that is, where drugs and alcohol weren't my problem. You know, they were my solution, like Nathan talks about, right? This this resent and this anger and then, you know, mm-hmm. finding his solution and, you know, where that goes and how quickly it can get you there. Um, the more conversations we have, whether it's with, you know, the, the staff at the schools, the administration who work in the school districts, if it's the parents that are listening to this podcast that want more information about what our collective journey does or how we can support them or any of their loved ones, you know, uh, you can get a hold of us through our website. Um, I know Rick, you know, one of the founders of this, seal says it all the time, you know, when, when you call that phone number, um, it goes directly to my cell phone, right? So if, you know, if it's at three in the morning, it's somebody's going to pick up. Um, if you message us via, you know, Facebook Messenger, you're going to get a hold of somebody with in under 30 minutes, right? Uh, and that's our commitment to our community is that we we are making a difference and we want to support the other organizations that are already doing great stuff, um, just as a an additional support. Absolutely. Yeah more supports for the youth the better right and for all people out for, there. for all people i don't I mean, think there can ever be too many no, supports not. right that, the more the merrier key component is that parent piece too right like to I, th- I think for me being in oil and gas living in medicine hats there's a there's added value right i may not look like your typical oil and gas guy i've been a long time since i've been in the field right but to connect with parents um, I do have that street cred where I can talk about 
my life back then and my life now and, and what I went through with them, right? And I did run with some pretty pretty bad folks back in the day, right? One guy was, you know, Alberta's most wanted here not too long ago, right? So it's like, holy moly, that's how his life took such a drastic directional change comparative to mine, right? And that was because I had support. I had people in my corner pushing me in the right direction, right? And and I had the willingness to want to change as well. So to be that support for parents, I think, is a, a huge piece of this too, right? So yeah. I hope they take advantage of it. We're, we're here 100% for them. We're here for our community as a whole, right? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Michelle, you got any final thoughts? I um, I also wanted to mention, because you guys were talking about, I like how you said to get in with the youth um, just before everything kind of gets worse. Um, even when I was like still a teen and, I, and when everything happened, um, I lost my dad. I think if I had someone right away to talk to instead of letting it just like dwell inside of me, things would have been better. Like I was so close to um, picking up a drink because it was my solution. I wanted to get out of reality. So I really think that's special that we can connect with youth before before they do pick up their first drink if they haven't already or if they have, that maybe they can put it away and find some other support. So I really like what you guys were saying, but... Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to reach out to parents, youth. I think because I'm young, I'll definitely be good with the youth. Um, and it's good to have Nathan and Tara for parents. <laughs> <laughs> I think she just said her own. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I th- believe that. That's yeah. what I heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no offense. <laughs> I always tell my son I'm the cool mom, so don't worry about it. <laughs> what about you, Tara? Final final thoughts on on all of this no i'm just excited and oh i just think this is a great opportunity um to be able to get into the schools and to start there and to work with everybody and just meet people and hear everybody's unique stories and um giving them the voice to say their story too so so many of us um live in secret right I even know I did when I was a kid. A lot of my life was secret. So it's exciting. Yeah. Nathan, final thoughts? No, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm ready to get this, ready to get in the schools, right? It's uh, it's a huge thing when somebody believes in, in you for the capacity to be able to change, right? And I think that's uh, where I come from, right? It's, doesn't matter where you've come from or, or where you're at, it's where are we going, right? And that's uh, that's a huge part. If In my life, I'd, when I was 13, 14 years old, I had nowhere, no idea what life looked like in a year or two from now, but I lived for the day just to suppress everything, right? It was, how much can, how can I suppress this anger, right? Okay, let's get in a fight, let's, let's get that over with. Then it became, booze, drugs, and alcohol, right? And how can we do that in a healthier ma- fashion or manner to allow these students to know that there's uh, there's a different way? It's your it's your life. You get you get to be the navigator of your life, but we're here to help you if if required, right? And what that looks like, I'm I'm just super excited to get in there for the and be a support for the teachers. Got a great deal of respect for them for for what they do on the daily, right? So. 
Yeah. No, I think you guys have said it all. It's uh, an exciting, unique opportunity. It's outside the box of anything that I think uh, Medicine Hat, let alone any community, has done up to this point to support their students, to to give them a voice, you know, to use our life experience to give them the ability to give themselves permission to talk, just to be themselves, their authentic selves, um, because I think they they know what they want to do. Sometimes they just don't know how to get there, and maybe, like Nathan said, we can be that that guide, you know, to support the teachers who you know, have a lot on their plate to support the parents who are, you know, have a lot on their plate and just be, be there for other human beings in our community and help them become the leaders that, you know, will ultimately change the world. Right. Um, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty cool space to, to be in and, and super exciting that, uh, our collective journey gets to go into the schools here probably well we're already in there doing presentations for the teachers and yeah. hopefully uh when uh, these podcasts get released uh we'll be in there talking to students too well we had our first student interaction yesterday very true i wasn't yeah. there i was sick yeah and it was super positive right you, you understand it's uh first time meeting with the students right they're not gonna yeah you could see their shyness yeah, but you also could see yeah. that they they all have things to say to absolutely, us absolutely right so yeah. it's kind of you know, the more comfortable, more times you're in there, the more comfortable it's going to be. And mm-hmm. and that's and that's true. I think that's something I guess we didn't touch on yet, but we will be a consistent yeah. resource that's in the schools, right? Yeah. So instead of, you know, the programs that come in and do their one-day presentation and then leave, which causes the teachers to be left holding the bag with regards to whatever emotional or event occurs within the student body we're going to be a consistent you know face that uh, will be in in all of the schools um starting with school district 76 prairie rose as well as the catholic school system here in medicine hat so yeah Yeah, that's exciting all in itself right it is yeah we're going to need lots of recovery coaches (laughs) and it's like and and i'm going to be honest it's, it's it's super exciting but it's super scary for me too, right? On the same on the, the same token, right? Because it's like, man, I I don't know if I'm capable of doing this some days, right? Like, how how do I get these kids engaged or buy in, right? And it's like, it's super scary for me too. I'm I'm father too, right? It's I, I'm, I've been a coach for many of years, right? And it's there's a lot of um, Laws of hesitation in me too, right? Because it's it's scary. I don't know. It's, but I know it's gonna. I know it's a good thing. But that's just my initial feeling of like, hey, quit your job, become a recovery coach in SD seventy six. I'm like, well, I want to work for OCJ really bad. I do want to be in the school system. That's my thing. But what does it look like? How does it rate? And I don't know what it looks like when we get in there, right? So there's there's a lot of exciting things coming up, which are. It's awesome, but it's it's still scary. Right? Well, I, I think just thinking about you know something that you just said is that you just you live day to day, yeah. you know, for a long time, yeah. and and then in sobriety, and, and I can only speak for myself, but I'm very linear. I want to know what the destination is. I want to know what five steps I need to get there. But what I think 
about my journey in life is that it's very up and down and it's never the way I think it's going to look. And I think that's exactly the perfect place for you or for all of us to be is we know we want to help. We know we want to make a difference, but how I see that happening probably isn't going to look like the same way that it ends up being because at the end of the day, with this being a, a community solution based kind of program, it's going to take, you know, ideas from students. It's going to take ideas from teachers. It's going to take ideas from parents to how best support our community. And in turn, what my utopian view on it again is that we're empowering leaders who are already doing things in their lives to stand up and maybe be the voice for somebody else that doesn't have a voice and to take ownership in how they want to see this community grow or to support one another. And then again, you know, when we were talking earlier this morning, and it's like, we're the ones that break down barriers. You know, my oil and gas career, your oil and gas career, there was no such thing as a barrier. You just figured out how to how to get the job Solution done. Based. But with this, it's like the stakes are so much higher because it's another human being over there that you're 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 working with, you're fighting for, you're breaking down barriers with them so that they don't have to break them down alone. Because I think for a long time, I, I, in hearing our stories, we did things alone, you know, whether it was Michelle mm-hmm. at university being alone and trying to figure these things out or Nathan moving up to the hat and being alone, trying to figure it out. And same with Terry, you know, just f- figuring it out at a young age. Um, maybe we don't have, maybe our stories and our interactions in the schools can allow youth and students to not feel alone. Yeah, yeah. That's the goal. So like Tara said, if you're listening to this and you have questions, reach out to us at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Um, hit us up on our Facebook Messenger. Um, you can get a hold of, you know, all of us um, through your schools as well. We will uh, attempt to answer any questions you have, and if we don't have an answer, we'll work hard to figure it out for you. So, you know, this has been a From Darkness to Life Recovery Coach School podcast. <laughs> Uh, to uh, introduce, you know, three members of the Recovery Coach School program. Um, once again, our podcast has been sponsored this season by Nathan's beautiful wife, Nicole Davis Realtor, on Instagram or at www.nicoledavisrealestate.com. And that's Nicole with an H. Uh, if you're uh, looking to buy or sell a home, get a hold of Nicole. Or get a hold of Nathan and he'll give you their number. (laughs) Uh, And with that, from the Plugged In Media Network, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for uh, giving us an opportunity to uh, introduce some of our recovery coaches. That's a wrap. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.